Welcome to New Life Horizon Church. The service is already in progress, and if you wish to contact us, you may dial 469 333 0397. If you wish to subscribe to our SoundCloud, it's soundcloud.com at New Life Horizon Church. Welcome. Our reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And it reads, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterwards more heavily oppressed her, by, the, by way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased, increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle, and garments rolled in blood, will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is the reading of God's word. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. This morning as I worshipped and I sang the song, it just dawned on me. It's like a, a, a joy just started to fill my heart and I started to say to the Lord, I said, Lord, could that be what the, the disciples felt even when they were on the way knowing that they were going to die but the joy inside of them led them anyway to praise you led them anyway to honor you and to stand in crowd and speak boldly even though they knew that their lives could have been taken that this morning i had the revelation that i am chosen and i am loved and it was not a head knowledge revelation because i know it here it's like a drop in my heart that caused me to want to worship. I said, but God, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I will face this week, you have chosen me and even my situation that I will go through, you have vetoed them because you have taught me enough and you are going to be with me to go through them. And when that revelation hit my spirit this morning, I said, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to go through this week. I don't know what my week is going to be like. 
But it's like he, he was saying to me, I am showing, I am revealing, I am opening your understanding this morning for you to understand that I have chosen you. You didn't choose me. I chose you, John 16, 15 says. I chose you to go and bear lasting fruit. You didn't choose me. And so even though we may think that, yes, we have free will to an extent, it was he who chose us. It was, and because he chose us, he called us. And so this morning, I just want you to think. Just think about how lucky. I'm going to even remove the word luck. Think about how privileged you are to be chosen by God himself. Can you believe it? Isn't that a little friend, you know? This is not a little friend around the corner. This is God himself. This is the one who sits on the already enthroned and looking down the way we look at an ant. Recognizing that the ant is of no benefit to us. And yet he looks down on us and chooses to come and live with us, to dwell with us and to live inside of us to show us how, how, much, how special we are. So when he made us in the beginning, he said, it's very good. He's saying, I have chosen you to tell you that you are very good because I made you very good. And so this morning, that revelation just hit me. Oh, and I said, God, thank you. I just felt like dancing. I just felt like there was nothing that could have kept me from worshiping this morning because I understood that Jesus loved me that he chose me. He chose me. Out of everybody, he chose me. And because he chose me, I am here this morning, not just standing and taking up space, but I choose to worship him. I choose to return gratitude and praise him. I choose to be thankful this morning and to give him all praise and honor this morning because of who he is and because of what he has done. I thought, just stop and think about what he brought you through. Stop and think that out of all the children that, were, that died the year where, or the day that you were born, he chose for you to live. Stop and think that many babies didn't last that day when you were born, but you are here because he chose you. Stop and think about the many situations that you have been through, that there are others who went through what you went through and they are not here today because they never had the strength to go through. But, but he chose you to be here. Stop and think. Stop and think about the thing that he, you, you, you went through, that he saved you, the accident that you could have died in, but he kept you alive. Stop and think. About the people who earn what you earn, but yet they are on the road today living homeless. Having no family, having no friends. Stop and think of what he brought us through and what we could have, the result that we could have experienced. But he said, no, I have chosen you. But Lord, God, if, when we stop and think, Lord, there's so much to be grateful for. When we stop and think, Lord God, the things that keep us bound and wound and, in, and angry cannot last. 
When, if, when we stop and think, God, and reflect on what you have done for us, God, we cannot remain in that place that we were. Everything inside of us just want to praise you. And so this morning, as I bring your word, Lord, I thank you for the revelation that will take place in our hearts. Lord, may it not just be mere words, but let it trans be transforming words. That God, that cement the truth in our hearts and in our lives and in our spirits of who you are. That cement the truth about how you see us. To cement the truth about what you did for us, God. And Lord, this make me want to shout. This make me want to shout. This make me want to dance. This, I cannot keep silent, God. I understand when Jeremiah said, it is like fire shutting up in my bone. How do you keep silent when you have you, the revelation comes of what God has done? How do you remain quiet when God opened your mind's eye and allow you to see all that could have happened but it for the grace of God? But for the grace of God. And so, Father, I just bless your name this morning. I give you full access to my mind, to my mouth. I give you full access, Lord, to everything around us and in our midst this morning. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to read Isaiah 9 from verse 1 to 7 and alluded to it this morning but I just want us to and whatever the version you're reading from go ahead and read all the different versions we will hear them Isaiah 9 verses 1 to 7 you read it to the entirety right okay we're going to read it again When you're there, just stand and let us go. Isaiah 9, verses 1 to 7, reads as follows. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when, the divide, when, the dividing, when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word. You may be seated. The topic of my message this morning is Jesus, our peace. Jesus, our peace. Last week, we began the, the Advent season celebration, and we looked at how the deliverer demonstrates in, in Psalms, in the Psalm that he, Psalms 123, that he was our hope. And he demonstrates that, that hope in God requires that there is an expectation, there is a confidence that we have as we anticipate what God has promised. We recognize that we serve a God that whatever he promised, he will do. He does not lie. He doesn't change his mind. And even though it seems slow, and even though it seems as if it is lingering, either God was going to do what he promised. This week we continue by looking at peace. And so the question we may ask as we think about peace is, what is peace? How do we receive peace? And how do we live in peace? And as I go through the message this morning, these questions that I just asked will be answered. You and I cannot have peace without knowing the Prince of Peace. Actually, there is no peace without Jesus. There's no peace without the Prince of Peace. And every other peace is false peace. And we, we recognize that when we come to know the Prince of Peace, not only does it influence, it influences everything else about us. It influences the inner peace that we have because we now strive to strive for and to maintain an inner peace. And we also strive for and strive to maintain that peace with others. Those who do not know God do not have true peace. And those who aren't experiencing true peace are those who either have not known God or are not striving to have that peace. Peace, according to the dictionary, is a state of calm. It is a freedom from strife. It is anxious thoughts or discord, and it is harmony in personal relationships. So it's a freedom from strife, freedom from anxious thoughts or discord, and it is harmony in personal relationships. Biblical peace, on the other hand, which translated from the Hebrew word shalom, is more than that. Shalom speaks about the well-being of an individual. It speaks about completeness. It speaks about the welfare, the wholeness and soundness of an individual. And in Greek, peace is translated from the word Irene, which is E-I-R-E-N-A, pronounced I-R-E-N-A, I-R-E-N-A, means to join or bind together something which is broken, divided, or separated. When things are joined together, there is a sense of harmony, right? 
things move together as one. There's a well-being, a completeness. And we think about even the chair you're sitting on. If the chair is not broken, you lift it, and it's one chair you're lifting. But when it's broken, pieces falling off, it, it's, it, it, it's not complete, it's not sound. But, free, but when it is joined together, there's a freedom that also comes from the inner turmoil that we experience. But when it is broken, there's also an absence of inner peace. There's a lack of harmony. There's division and separation. The text this morning, Isaiah 11, 9 verse 6, speaks about the coming Messiah. And, 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 and when you look at the background of, of Isaiah 8, Isaiah 8 spoke about the prophecy of war and doom and destruction and gloom. And Isaiah was prophesying that there was coming a future deliverer, the Messiah, the glorious king, who is the descendant of David. And when he comes, he was coming to reconcile relationships with God and man, thereby restoring peace. And we believe that this Messiah is Jesus, the Prince of Peace. New Testament, in the New Testament, the word used is the Christ, which translates the Hebrew word Messiah. Isaiah was very precise in describing the long-expected Messiah as he appeared in this vision. And so he speaks of him being a child and he speaks about him as a son given and he speaks about the government that is sitting on his shoulder. And as we look at him as a child, it signifies that this Messiah that was coming, he was going to be of human origin. He was going to be sitting on the throne of David, so he was from the family or the lineage of David and he was not going to be an angel. At Jesus' birth, Luke in Luke 2.11, Luke tells us that in the town of David, a savior has been born, and he is the Messiah. Isaiah then looks at him as a son given, which designates that Jesus was given by God. He was God's eternal son and a gift to a sinful world. Galatians 4, 4, 5 tells us that in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And John 3, 16 tells us that God gave his son to die for our world or for the world. Isaiah then looked at him and he said, the government will be upon his shoulder. The Messiah will bear the responsibility of governing God's people. And he will carry the weight of, his, of the world upon his shoulder. However, the full reality of his reign will happen in his second coming when he returns not to bring salvation, but to rule and reign as king of kings. The scholars would think that, would say, there are scholars who are dividing on, on thoughts who say, as government, he was gonna, the, the, government, the existing government would be sitting on his shoulder because he would have chosen them. But there are others who say no. It has nothing to do with the, with the actual world government, but about him being king. Isaiah lists the specific attributes of God, and as he lists them as wonderful, counselor and wonderful, he, what he was using was to say, he was looking, and it was a vision that he was seeing, and he was saying, based on the nature of this Messiah, this person I'm seeing, he's going to be wonderful. He's going to be a wonderful counselor. And, and some scholars also believe that being a wonderful counselor was what they meant. It was a combined attribute of the Messiah, 
While some felt that it was, no, he was wonderful. He was a counselor. And if, if we look at it jointly, he was going to be a wonderful counselor who was full of wisdom. And he was qualified to guide and to direct the human race better than all counselors. But if we look at it separately, as wonderful, he was going to be marvelous and extraordinary. He was going to fill the world with wonder. And you stop and you think and think about it. And they say, if, if all the books were written, or, or every book that was written about Jesus, all the books that were written about Jesus could not be fit or held in a, into a library. There was so much about him. The world was filled with wonder and awe when we looked at his life and we saw all that he did. He raised the dead. He forgave sins. He never treated people or looked down on them. He, he, he went down to what we would have considered the lowest of the low. And he made himself nothing and he humbled himself and he equaled himself with them, making them know that they too were accepted. In Isaiah 28, 29, we are told that his plan is wonderful and his wisdom is magnificent. David in Psalms 139, 14, praise him for his wonderful works. And Job says, I cannot fathom his wonders and I cannot count his miracles. As a counselor, he sits in the council of the Trinity. And when he sits, he's not just there sitting, taking up space. He sits with our, on our behalves. The scripture tells us that he intercedes on our behalves. It is, he's already seated at the right hand of God and he intercedes. And as a counselor, he's also the king of wisdom. He's a king who plans and he rules and he counsels and he advises all the little common princes and kings. His counsel is faithful and necessary. It is without self-interest. Isaiah 11:2 tells us that the spirit of the Lord will, will rest on this Messiah, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. But Isaiah not only saw him as a wonderful and a counselor, wonderful and as a counselor, he saw him as a mighty God. He, as a mighty God, he is the elder bore. He is the, the strong one. He is the image of God himself. A king having strength of God and he is divine in his nature. Psalms 24 8 tells us that this king is strong and mighty. He is mighty in battle. He is the everlasting father. Another attribute that, that Isaiah saw. And as the everlasting father, he was king, he was creator. And he would abide forever with his people. Not only would he just come and live, but he would be actively involved in their life. Directing, lording, producing all over the ages forever and forever. Psalms 10, 16 tells us that this king will rule. This king, the Lord, he is king forever and ever. And the last title which I want to pay focus on this, this, this morning is the title of him being Prince 
of peace. As Prince of Peace, he was going to be the Messiah. The Messiah who would bring peace. Jesus is the giver of peace. He is our peace. And he ensures the blessing of peace by bringing peace with God. He shows us how to strive for and maintain peace with ourselves and peace with others. And my first point this morning is that through Jesus, you and I can have peace with God. For the ages, for all, as far as you can think, and when you read about it, the Jews were waiting for a Messiah. And some who have not been enlightened are still waiting. Some who have failed to accept that the Messiah came are still waiting. Some expect that when the Messiah comes, he would deliver them from the oppressive Roman rule and he would restore Israel to be the, the center or the ruling nation. Others, having met Jesus, hope that in him they would have had all the answers and everything that they needed. And so because all of the things that they were looking for, because, you know, we tend to have a box and we say, okay, this is what my Jesus should look like. My Jesus should be able to pay all my bills. My Jesus should be able to heal me of all my sicknesses. And we, we give him a box and we say, you are my Jesus. You are my Messiah if you fulfill these needs. However, if you don't, you aren't. And so the people were looking for the Messiah, but they had specific needs or specific requirements that they felt this Messiah should fulfill. But while Jesus came, he was healing the illnesses of those who he met, but at the same time he was establishing a spiritual kingdom and he was bringing peace with God through redemption by his death and resurrection. In Genesis 3, we saw where Adam and Eve who were the pinnacle of God's creation, disobeyed God and sinned. And their disobedience, which we know, which is known as the fall of man, was far-reaching and it affected and impacted more than Adam and Eve. It impacted all of humanity. Actually, it impacted creation on a whole. From this fall came sin. And the scripture says that with sin, death entered the world. Sin separated Adam and Eve from God. Isaiah 59, 2-3 tells us that our sins and iniquity separates us from God so that he has hidden his face from us and will not hear us. So where there is sin, God can't be there. He hides his face. Sin robs, robbed Adam and Eve of the fellowship and the peace they once had with God. They were no longer capable of enjoying God's presence. And Isaiah 59 again tells us that they were separated, that they could not be in God's presence. Sin made them incapable of choosing God or submitting to God. Romans 8, 7 says the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law nor can it do so. Sin brought condemnation for Adam and Eve. But not only, as I said earlier, that not only did the sin or the fall of man affected Adam and Eve, it affected you, it affected me, it affected the trees, it affected the birds, it affected everything. 
Romans 8.22 tells us that creation groans as in the pain of childbirth, anticipating and waiting of the redemption of the sons of God, waiting on us to get to that place where it, it, can, it too can be restored. Romans 5.12 tells us that just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all men because all men sinned. Romans 3 tells us that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. So man had a dilemma. It's a dilemma that man could not solve. It's a dilemma that there is nothing man could do. God could not stay or stand in the place of sin. God could no longer look or fellowship with Adam and Eve the way he did. He, he could no longer fellowship with man the way he used to or how he wanted it. And so what happened then in the Old Testament, they used to do these sacrifices where every year they would go up and they'd offer this lamb or the pigeon based on what they can afford as an atoning sacrifice for their sins. But this was insufficient because every year they would have to go up to, to Jerusalem from wherever they are around the world to go to seek this atonement. And so God, in, in his mercy, knew that man needed to be saved. Man needed to be saved from this condemnation and God knew that there was nothing man could do to restore the peace that they once had with God. But God also had an answer. And so we recognize how merciful a God we serve. Because here it is, it was man who sinned. It was, it was, yet it was God who came up with the solution. You do the wrong, you hurt me, and I said, okay, you know what, because you hurt me, let me come and find a way to reconcile us. That was what God was saying. God was saying that you damaged me, you damaged the relationship. And I am coming, I am making a provision, I am coming with a solution to fix this. So what did God do? He initiated peace by sending his son, Jesus, the prince of peace. In John 4, 9-10, Jesus tells us, God showed his love for the world by sending his one and only son. And in John 3, 16, which is a very familiar passage that tells us that God so loved the world that his only son, and depending on the version, he said that his begotten son is sent into a condemned world to save the world through him. Jesus was the open door for peace with God. Jesus opened the way to peace with God to make us whole, complete, and sound by saving us from our sins. You and I could not be sitting here this morning if Jesus didn't do what he did. Jesus paid the debt for all our sins. And his work is deep and lasting. Jesus paid a debt that I couldn't work hard enough to own, to, to pay. You think your credit card debt big? He paid a debt with his life. He paid a debt that he did not owe. Isaiah 53, 5 tells us that the Messiah was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Romans 3.24 tells us that we are justified freely because of this grace that came through the redemption of Jesus. And Hebrews 5.7-8 tells us that because of what Jesus did, we now have eternal salvation. This morning, I am not sure where each of us are, those listening to my voice. I'm not sure where you are. I am not sure if you have taken taken or taken the opportunity that is given to you have you taken that opportunity of being redeemed and reconciled of having that peace because every last one of us wants peace there's no human being no matter how terrible they are that wants not that want to have conflict and war all the time even when people will say i'm a devil's advocate they may want to be like that for that particular situation, but when they go home, when they go to work, when they go to their bed, wherever they are, they want peace. So if this morning I am saying to you, you cannot experience peace. Actually, it is impossible to have true peace without Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Romans 5.1 tells us that we are justified through faith and we have peace with God through Jesus our Lord. So this morning, if, if you're experienced, you're at that place where you said, okay, I do not know this Prince of Peace. Now is a great opportunity to invite him in. Because once you invite him, he comes. He comes, and when he comes, he comes to show you how to live. He comes to order and orchestrate your life and to lead you. Instructing you each day, each second, each hour of the day how to live. Jesus reigned as a future king. He reigned as our present king. He reigned and he comes to bring total peace. Peace with God is only made possible through what Jesus did by paying a debt for the sin that you and I owed. And there are persons who say it is so unfair because it was Adam and Eve who sinned. Yeah. But think about the lies you have told. Eh? Think about the deceitful ways or the deception. Think about the, 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 the murders you have committed in your mind, the hatred and all of those things. And even the self, take it a little smaller, the selfish desires that we have. Those alone cause us to sin and that was enough to nail him on the cross. And he said, if it was only for your deceptive ways, if it was for yours, only your selfish ways, I would have gone on the cross. Jesus paid the debt. And he comes and he says, and he offers himself to you, and he says, I have removed the hostility that existed against you with God. I have removed the conflict, the war that existed initially. I have come to give you peace. And when we have this peace with God, we now are in a position to strive for inner peace. And my second point is that through Jesus, we can have inner peace. Sin not only affected our relationship with God, but sin robbed us of peace. Sin caused us in our hearts um, anguish it caused us to lose sight of God's purpose for us 
and it causes us to become self-centered. There are many things we do when we are not experiencing inner peace. We worry about our children. I do. We worry about our bills. We worry about our health, our financial security. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our relational issues. We, we worry about getting old. We worry when we see our parents getting older and we wonder, oh my God, oh am I going to care for my mother? Oh am I going to care for my father? We listen to the news around the world and we worry at the state of the world. We, we think about the conflict that may occur. We think about the, the, them talking about civil war again occurring maybe in Iraq because of what's happening. They're looking at China and, and, and the possibility of war starting again. They look at even right here where we are. And people are losing their minds and losing their sleep because of the lack of inner peace. Not only do we, we worry, but we fear the future. Will I own a house? Will I earn enough to, to buy a house? Will I, will I ever get married and have children? Will I be able to su support myself after retirement? Will I get sick? And if I do get sick, will I be able to pay the bill because I don't have any insurance? Or will I be able to come up with a difference of the insurance? Is it safe to be living in the area that I'm living? Is it safe to be living in the state or in the country I'm in? We fear the very future. Not only do we fear the future, but we experience shame that robs, of, robs us of our inner peace. We regret our past choices. We regret the thing that we did, the action that we chose, and we regret and we live sometimes devoid of peace because we are worrying, because we are ashamed, or because we are fearful. I remember I used to worry, I used to worry far more, well, I used to worry a lot. And my worry, I recognized, was never really turning towards me, it was for my children. I had something that I wanted for them. I had a mindset that I wanted for them. And I did not see after a while how it was going to happen. And so what I used to do, I used to worry. I used to worry. And I used to worry about things that, when I look back, didn't even occur. They didn't even happen. You worry about things when they were small. And they're older now and you realize it never happened. I worry about things that I regretted that I did in my life that I regretted. Things that I wish I could have gone back to time and erased. I kept thinking about things over and over. And what I recognized, I lost sleep. I overate. My hair started to fall out and my skin started to break out. Because not worry affects not only the fact that you are thinking, but your physical body responds to worry. Like me, there may have been things that you are worrying about or things that you have been worrying about that erodes or robbed you of your inner peace. And so the question you may ask this morning is, how do I experience true inner peace in my life? First, true inner peace is only available to those who know and trust in Jesus, the giver of peace. If peace is different from worldly, worldly peace. Because the world says for us to have peace, there must be no war, there must be no conflict. 
But inner peace in Jesus is saying that there is a confident assurance that we have in any and every circumstances that there is whatever need we will ever go through, whether now or the future, there is no need to fear. Jesus prepared his disciples in John 14, 27 for the world in which they would continue to live. He gave them his peace. He never gave them money. He never gave them health. He said, my peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. And when you think about that, if that is all Jesus gave, he gave them the Holy Spirit and then he said to them, my peace, it meant that having peace was important. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid because he knew that they were going to be living in a world that would cause their hearts to be troubled. They were living in a world that would cause them to be afraid. The news that they would hear when they were being persecuted, the news that they would hear would cause their hearts to be shaken. And Jesus was saying to them, peace I give you. My peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. So not only did he give them, but he left his peace with them. Jesus recognized that as believers, we need that peace. And so when he prayed in John 17 for the future believers, he prayed for everything that the, the current believers got that they too would benefit. That we too coming to know him would benefit from it. Secondly, we experience inner peace when we discover God's love for us. And that was a revelation I've been getting from last week. And even this morning, I got it more. That when I truly understand that God loves me, no matter what you face, no matter what you're going through, no matter who is for you or against you, no matter who is with you, you know that every step that you take, God is going to be ordering it, even when it's a bad step. Even when it's a step that you don't want to make, you know that you know that you know that that step God is going to order it for my good because I am loved by him. Even when I make the mistake, I thought that God, I thought he said go down the road and you didn't. I know because I turn left, you're going to navigate and get reroute me and get me back on the right path because you love me. Third, we experience inner peace when we keep our focus on God. Isaiah 26, 3 says, God keeps in perfect peace those whose eyes are stayed those whose eyes are fixed. Those whose eyes are steadfast on him. Because when we keep our eyes on him, it demonstrates that we trust him. It demonstrates that we trust in him. When we focus on God, we have the confident assurance in every and any situation and circumstance that we face. We cannot be looking now, as I said last week, 
and when it is convenient, we take our eyes, and when our eyes are off, and when things go, we, no, no. He says, I keep in perfect peace those who are constantly looking towards me. Those who are constantly fixing their gaze and hoping in me, looking to me for every answer and every solution. We cannot experience inner peace until we obey God's command. That's my fourth point. Isaiah 48, 18 tells us that those who obey God's commands will experience peace like a river. And the songwriter says, when peace like a river attendeth my way and sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So Isaiah knew what he was saying, that when we obey God, we will experience that peace like the river. Inner peace, therefore, is only experienced when we know and trust God. It can, and it is also maintained when we discover. Because understanding God's love is a discovery that you and I have to make individually. We know it, we read it, we hear it, but until you believe it in your heart of your heart, you don't live that way as someone who is loved. You still look, looking for love when he's saying to you, I, my love is sufficient. When we experience inner peace, we focus on him and we obey his command. When Christ, our peace comes, when he brings peace to you, you and I need not fear the present nor the future. We don't have to worry about the hospital bills. We don't have to worry about how we're going to pay rent or mortgage or light bill or credit cards. If we truly believe that God cares for us and he loves us, think about the people that you love. And if you, anybody you love, you, you care for. Any person that you truly love, you want to provide for them. If there's a need, you want to give them, right? You don't want to hoard things or withhold things from them. And so why would God withhold from us the things that we need? But he's saying to us this morning, when, when, when you trust me, when you recognize that I am your peace and that I love you, you need not fear what you're going through now and you need not fear the future. Philippians 4, 6, 7 tells us that there is no need to be anxious about anything. But he says, when you are faced with trials, he says, go to God in prayer, but you are to go with thanksgiving and you are to present your request to God. And God's peace, his peace, which goes beyond our understanding because we cannot fathom God's peace in entirety. His peace guards our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. So it goes, it happens in a way that when we understand and when we go and we present it to him, because we are focused on him, we walk away feeling peaceful and we can't even, so how am I experiencing peace when everything around me, the whole house tumbling down, but I'm experiencing peace. And that is what the, um, Paul is saying in Philippians. 
that the peace of God goes beyond your human ability to understand and it guards your heart and your mind in Christ. In Colossians 3.15, Paul instructs believers and he said, let the peace of God rule your hearts. And you may wonder, how do I allow peace to rule my heart? How does peace rule one's heart? It's a decision that we make. And I'm realizing the things that God instructs us to do, they must be intentional. I must seek peace at all costs. Yeah. Seek it and pursue it. Seek it and go after it. Go after it. Persons who lack God's peace will disrupt the peace of others. And not only do they disrupt the peace of others, but they in turn destroy their own lives. But those who have peace with God and are experiencing inner peace strive to have and to maintain peace with others. Actually, through Jesus, a person who experiences inner peace can become a peacemaker. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And when you think about the world, the world is seeking for peace every day. Well, I'm not a news listener. But for ever so often that I choose to listen or someone may share the latest news or the breaking news with me, it is always something that it will devoid you of your peace. It robs you. When you hear it, eh? it robs you. If, it, if it's Nigeria, it is robbing you of your peace. And if it's China, it is robbing you. And wherever it is, it is robbing you of the peace. And, and every day you hear it, as a piece of your peace gone over there, and as a piece of your peace. And if you be careful, the entire day, you have no peace. And despite the movements, the peace movements that the world is seeking to, to resolve conflicts, and despite the, the movements or the, the things in place that counselors are trying to do and do, the spiritual problem of sin exists that cause nations to fight against nations. The spiritual problem of sin still exists that call family, causes family members to fight against family members, wives against husbands, friends against friends, neighbors against neighbors, co-workers against co-workers, and nothing that man tries will ever be able to resolve it because peace can only come from God. Proverbs 16, 7 tells us that when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. And when you look at Judges, I think Judges 3, verse 11, when Othniel was chosen and the Spirit of God came upon him, the scripture says, and Israel enjoyed peace for 40 years. 1 Samuel 7, verse 14, spoke about Israel enjoying peace. Because God allowed them to have peace. So we recognize that if I need peace, there is nothing I can put in place to have this peace. There is nothing but seeking first. The first step of peace is coming to know the Prince of Peace himself. Jesus in his discourse 
that we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Pronouncing a blessing, pronounces a blessing, not on a peacekeeper or a peace lover, but on a peacemaker. So what is the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper or a peace lover? All of us desire peace. But a peacemaker is the person who takes the responsibility to initiate the action to restore peace. The peacemaker is the one who takes the responsibility and initiates the action to live in peace or to restore peace. While the peacekeeper is the person who waits for peace to be in place, then tries to maintain it. And we may look at people who are passive or passive-aggressive, and we tend to call those peacekeepers or but they, in fact, what they're doing is just remaining silent, but a lot of things going on in their heads. I remember when I was very passive-aggressive. I would not say anything with my mouth, but my brain, I thought it, I did it, and people may have felt that I am a peacekeeper. I wasn't. I did everything in my mind. And I'm realizing that for me to be as a peacemaker and for you to be a peacemaker, we have to initiate the process. We have to be the one starting the process. Because we're always going to be in a situation where there's going to be disunity, conflict, and war. And even when you can't pinpoint it and say, what is the reason there is something underlying, undercurrent happening because of sin in us? But as the Prince of Peace, Jesus is the supreme peacemaker. And he conducts his life in a way, and he models it for us to see as his children how to live at peace. And to be a peacemaker speaks of one's conduct. And it's a conduct that flows out of character. Because, because one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And, is a, and peace is a characteristic that God calls us to develop. And so when we display this peace and become a peace peacemaker, we're actually modeling or demonstrating what we saw, following what we saw Jesus doing. Jesus' mission was to bring peace on earth. And through his death and resurrection, he paid for peace. So Jesus lived, he came on a mission of peace. He died for peace and he lived for peace. He brought peace of God to man and he initiated the healing relationship of peace with God. He paid an enormous price with his life so that you and I could experience peace with God. He paid an enormous price for you and I to experience peace with God. Even though Jesus was a peacemaker, he wasn't passive. Because he lived his life on purpose. And he lived his life with purpose. He knew what he came to do. His father sent him to reconcile that which was broken because of sin. And he said, there is no way man can know God. There is no way man can come and be with God or have peace with God unless you come and know his son. Therefore, to, for you and I to follow Jesus' 
example, as peacemakers, we have to initiate peace. We have to, we're going to find ourselves in situations, our own situations, where there are going to be conflicts. And as we follow Christ and as we hear his example when he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. You realize what he called them? Those who make peace, those who initiate peace, he called them his children. So if we are not initiators, if we are not peacemakers, we are not the children of God. We are not blessed. Peacemakers, as I said earlier, we are initiators, initiators of peace, actively seeking to reconcile persons to God, persons to, to each other, and we to others. We bring reconciliation to every situation as best as possible even though it will cost us at times our pride. It costs us. It is difficult to go to someone, whether you're right or wrong, and say to them, I am sorry. It is difficult to go to someone who, 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 who has something against you or you're not even sure what is happening and say to them, forgive me. But God is saying for us to be peacemakers, we have to be the one who initiate the reconciliation process. We have to be the one who make that step forward. So are you currently existing a situation that there is a lack of peace? Are you currently in a relationship or are you aware of persons that there are Peace is, there's no peace. There's conflict. As a believer, as a child of God, Jesus is saying you are blessed if you take on the process of initiating, going and making right what is wrong. Every situation that you and I find ourselves in or around, God has given us a mandate. Bring reconciliation where reconciliation is needed. Romans 12, 18 tells us, as far as it depends on you, you, me, live at peace with everyone. Psalm 34, 12, 14 tells us that anyone who loves life or loves their life and desires to see many good days should seek peace and pursue it. Are you a peacemaker? Or are you a peacekeeper? Or maybe you're a peace lover. You love when everything is good. You just want everything good. And you just enjoy having everything good. But Jesus is saying, I have not called you to be a peace lover or a peacekeeper. I have called you to be a peacemaker. And so the question that I want to ask you this morning, we looked at three different stages or levels or, or branches of peace. The first and foremost is the foundation level, which is peace with God. We, we, where we cannot have that peace until we come and accept that forgiveness and the relationship and the reconciliation that comes through Jesus. 
It comes by, by you and I acknowledging that, Lord, I am a sinner. I have sinned and I am in need of your forgiveness. I have sinned. Not only did Adam and Eve sin, but I too sinned. I too have been wronged. I too have done things to, 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 to break the fellowship and the union between you and me. And God is saying to us this morning, if that is your place, if that is where your stage is, that is where you are, where you have not made that step, this morning is the morning. But, okay, you have made that step and you have received that forgiveness from Christ and you now have peace with God. But you are not experiencing inner peace. Jesus said, he's saying to you this morning, Cast your fears and your, your shame and your regrets and your worries on me. Do not be anxious about them. Because I am the one who brings inner peace. Do not worry. Come and lay them at my feet. Because when you trust me, you fix your eyes on me. When you trust me, you believe that I am going to work out every, every situation for your good. When you trust me, you are confidently trusting that every situation that you will face, your credit card bill, your child which is, that is wayward, you, your, your, your issue of thinking about your parents getting old, whatever the situation is, you will be able to trust. It's a confident assurance that in any and every circumstances that you find yourself in, whether it be present or future, God is at work for your good. But you may say, okay, I have inner peace. Then there's a next step. Because if you have peace with God and you have inner peace, Jesus is saying to you, you are my child and you are blessed. So now go and become a peacemaker. And I do not know where we are individually this morning. But we individually know where we are. And God is talking to all of us this morning. If you're a believer already, you may need inner peace. If you're already a believer, you need to be a peacemaker. If you're not a believer of Christ, he says, start first with trusting and knowing Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the one who comes, the one who came, the one who is still here giving peace. And so this morning, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to spend that time this morning talking to the Lord about where you are. Because the truth is we can miss it. We can be so distracted about, about everything that is happening and we, we fail to, 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 to go to the Lord and identify where we are in this process. Stop this morning and think. God Reveal to me where I am because I can think that I have peace when the peace that you have is a false peace that the world is striving for because the world wants peace. 
and all these peace treaties that they're signing and these roundtable talks that they're having to get peace. It is going to be temporary because it cannot last because peace only comes through God. And so I want you to reflect and ask the Holy Spirit this morning to, re to, to reveal in you where am I, Lord, in this process? Am I experiencing peace with my neighbors? Am I experiencing peace in my family? Am I experiencing peace at work? Am I experiencing peace in church? Am I experiencing peace in, my, in the nation? Because whatever situation, whether because you are worrying about what is happening in America or in China or in Iraq, you are, do not have inner peace. And if you are worrying because of what is happening in your relationship with your family members or you are worrying because there is not inner peace in your marriage, God is saying that you need inner peace. And so this morning I just want us to stop and reflect. Because those who lack God's peace disrupt the peace of others. There is always conflict going on around the person who lack inner peace. Always some situation occurring. Something always is happening. But when you have the inner peace, the true inner peace, because you know God, because Jesus made it possible for you. You are, you are motivated to go and initiate peace with those around you. We're going to take this opportunity to eat of the body of Christ and to drink of his blood. And we, we're saying in essence, Lord, we thank you for what you did. We thank you that when your body was broken and your blood was shed, it was also because you came to give us peace. When your body was broken, God, you came on a mission to bring peace, which caused your body to be broken and your blood to be shed. That mission, Lord, took your life. You laid down your life voluntarily. It was not taken from you. You chose to come when your father said there, peace is needed on the earth. 
You said, I will go. I will go. Jesus, you said, I will go. And you're saying to us, as I went, I'm calling you to go. And so we take the emblem this morning that represents the body of Christ. And we take the juice that represents the blood of Jesus. And we give you thanks, Lord. We offer them to you. And we thank you, Lord, for what you've done. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the work that you did, Lord. And because of what you did, Lord, we can stand here this morning. We can stand here this morning, God, saying that you are my peace. You are my perfect peace. You are our peace. Yes, God. You are our peace, God. And so I thank you, Father. And as we eat of the, the body and drink of the blood, we are celebrating this morning. We are thankful this morning for what Jesus did. So go ahead and have the body and the blood. Thank you. something will happen you will hear and something that will come to rob you of your peace some news will come something will happen to take away the peace of God from you but I'm encouraging you this morning Isaiah said keep your eyes on him Paul in Philippians says, do not be anxious, but present the situations to God. And his peace will guard your heart and your mind. The psalmist says, seek and pursue peace. Seek and pursue peace. Go today on the road as you drive. Be the initiator of peace. At work, be the initiator of peace. At your home, be the initiator of peace. And whatever it takes or takes, seek and pursue peace this week. And may the peace of God which transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So go today. Go. 
with the peace of God. Go having the true inner peace. Go being the peacemaker who says to the Lord today, I will initiate peace. And initiating peace does not mean that there is no conflict. But it's that you will choose to be the one who resolve it. Not by being quiet, but by talking things out. And so, Father, we just bless your name. And we give you thanks. Have a blessed week. Amen. that's listening to this tape right now I don't care what the devil is doing I don't care what the devil is saying the Holy Ghost of God is right there with you and he's letting you know right now that I'm your peace I don't care what you're going through this morning He's saying, I'm your peace. Lean and depend on me. I hear him saying, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path right into peace. He'll take you right into the peace of God. Come on into my peace. I hear the Lord speaking to you this morning. Come on into my peace. Come on into my peace. I'm your peace. You need to tell the devil he's alive. But the word of the Lord is saying this morning that I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And I can hear somebody saying, Oh God, thou will ordain peace for us. 
for thou also has wrought all works in us. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with his peace. You're my peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being my peace. You're my peace. In the midst of my storm, you have already delivered me. You're my peace. You're my peace. You're my ordaining peace to be among you, to be with you, to be in your mind, to be in your thoughts. Let it in. Let the peace come in. Yes, yes, the peace of God, the peace the passes. all understand. I know there's confusion around you. I know the enemy looks like he's winning. But the Lord is saying this morning, I'm giving you a peace that passes all understanding. And my sons and my daughters, this peace shall keep your heart and your mind. It's a keeping peace. It's a peace that holds you together. It's a peace that gives you strength. It's the kind of peace that gives you courage. It's the kind of peace that lifts you up where you're torn down. It's the kind of peace that wipes the tears from your eyes. It's the kind of peace that brings joy, unspeakable joy, and full of the morning glory. So I say to you today, Somebody's warfare now. You said I can't make it another day. I'm trying to hold on with everything I got. But I give a Lord sin. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might and grab a hold to God. to you this morning. He's saying the day that I'm your peace. I'm your peace. I'm your peace. I'm your peace. We want to thank you for listening to us. We want to thank you to take the time out of your day and be 
in communion with us, we want you to know that you're a part of God's family. And for those who are not a part of his family, he is calling you to be a part of that family. Know that today, if you choose to accept him as Lord and as Savior, you may drop us an email at new life, sorry, new life, new horizon min at gmail.com and our telephone number is 469-333-0397. Call us, give us a testimony of the goodness of God. Let us know what the Lord is doing with you. And if you choose to call us, we will be willing to pray with you. If there is need for prayer for your family, if you need prayer for yourself to have the peace of Christ, it, it is available. We are here for you and we are here to be joyful and to be mourning with you if you are crying. To offer healing where there is sickness. To offer compassion where it is needed. So, thank you and have a blessed week.